want to say to everyone, when I heard about this emergent universe, was that we, we really don't need any more universe emerging. It's quite emergent enough. And um, what we need is a Buddhaverse emerging. In other words, we need Nirvana emerging. And, uh, and apparently that happens. And that is happening. And what I really want, lately I've been very, very intrigued by one thing that I learned newly recently when I edited a very long, complicated Tibetan book. And that is that the so-called Buddha nature, which uh, has, is interpreted various ways at various levels of Buddhist thought. What it really is, is the fact that a Buddha is a being who has become every being, if you can imagine that. And how do you become every being? You fall in love with every being. How do you become one with your beloved? You fall in love with him or her, or it, or whatever nowadays. And, and you make no difference, and you feel the feelings of that beloved, and therefore you, all you want is that beloved to be happy, to be free of suffering. The suffering of that beloved is as unbearable to you as your own suffering. And so it's no question, should I do something about my hand in the fire here? Shall I be compassionate to it? No, no question. You just pull it out of the fire. Absolutely. There's no, without a moment's hesitation. So Buddha is a being who has become like that for all of us. And that is the Buddha nature, is the Buddha as us. Because poor guy, a Buddha feels, and all of them are the same in that. They're what they call their dharmakaya, or their reality body. Their body has become all of reality. All of reality includes all sentient beings. All sentient beings includes us. We are therefore, from Buddha's, poor Buddha's point of view, we are same as him. From our point of view, we're very different and we're worrying about it. If there is such a thing as a Buddha, and what is a Buddha? So we're totally different, of course, from our point of view. But from his point of view, or its point of view, or her point of view, there are female Buddhas, male Buddhas, and some third option. <laughs> they are us. And therefore, they can't bear us suffering. They're like, a, it is said, they're like a mother who considers every being as their only beloved child. Poor fellow, I always feel. So each one of us now is just Buddha looking out at other Buddhas. But do we know that? No, we don't. We think we're all separate beings sitting at our separate places and looking out at other beings. And of course, to each of us, our own self is most important, we think. And that makes us paranoid because we know other people don't agree with that. They think in top of that, not thinking we are most important, they think they are most important. So this is the samsara, this is the struggle of one against another, a losing battle. No one who is more important than everyone else is going to somehow persuade everyone else that's the case. And as we're noticing very vividly nowadays, even the President of the United States <laughs> cannot convince the rest of the world that he's more important than them. Hard as he tries. Twitler, they call him, that's a good expression. So, so therefore, that's all I want to share, really, is that this is the best of all possible worlds. Couldn't be better for each of us, exactly at the evolutionary place where we need to be. Everything that happens to us is just what we need to learn, even adversity. You know, Bill Murray is our guru. Groundhog Day, we're in one long groundhog life. Every single one of us. And nobody gets out of here just by dying. 
dying, dying wise, I think, I, I don't know, we'll discuss it. Stephen, I was very moved by him. I think dying wise means knowing <clears throat> that there is no death, that you just go on. And therefore, when you have to give up your body, which will happen to all of us and has happened to us many, many times, you embrace a new one. And the new one is just as good and as beautiful as your openness and generosity, as your ability to give yourself away. And that's what life is, the ability to give ourselves away. And death just stands there as the reminder that actually we should be giving ourselves away at all times, in whatever ways. Of course, nobody really wants us. <laughs> so don't, don't go jump in everybody's lap because it won't help. Okay, so, but you, you should be willing to do so. So, I can't see my own things. Oh, here it is, okay. So miracle number one. And what I have done just to show that if I'm crazy, then Buddha and the Buddhist tradition is just as crazy. That's, that's all. Just to share craziness with them. So the first thing I, I'm quoting in each slide that I gave, I made up at three o'clock this morning, waking up with jet lag. On each slide I have quoted a passage from the beginning of the Vimalakirti Sutra. This apparently records an event in the Buddha's life when thousands of people are there with him. And he's in a place in a mango grove outside of a big city, sort of like we are in here outside of the Bay Area. And uh, he's uh, visiting a lady who's a movie star, actually, the equivalent in those days, great actress, Amrapali. And um, then some young people come there to see him, and they bring these parasols that they have in India, with crusted with jewels, and they give them to him, and uh, they offer them as, they, as, a, as a gesture of uh, generosity. And then he takes those parasols, as soon as they were laid down in front of the Buddha, by the miraculous power of the blessed Lord, they were transformed into a single precious canopy, so great that it formed a covering for this entire billion world galaxy. The surface of the entire billion world galaxy was reflected in the interior of the great precious canopy, where the total content of this galaxy could be seen. Limitless mansions of suns, moons, etc., etc. You know, life on other planets, billions of other planets, which the Buddhists from thousands of years ago thought that was the case. Long before Seti, they were felt that there was life on other planets, and they experienced that. So that, so I, when I had to translate that, I was completely amazed until I realized it was a planetarium. It was a giant planetarium, and people looked and saw the interconnection of all nature and all life. Just as all of you do here at the non-duality conference, the minute you get here. I've never seen a conference like this. There's nobody what I see at this conference. If you catch someone's eye walking down, going back to breakfast, going to the bathroom, whatever it is, everybody smiles. They totally smile. There's no, but some people come on and look serious, and then they kind of, the cheeks go... <laughs> She's pop out just a little bit. I, I think it's wonderful. I don't think it's just California surprising a New Yorker. I think they really do. So, the, so what we're talking today is how the Buddhaverse emerges from the universe. The universe is a really depressing thing, you understand. Your current reality sense, which is all of our consensual reality sense in this, in this culture that we live in, is that this is a really boring place. We're all alone. Our lives are meaningless. It's just an accident. We have no purpose. When we die, we will never know that we ever existed because we will cease to exist. And that means that our mind and soul actually already don't exist. We're just biological robots running around with no reason, no purpose, and nothing to do except pass the time and make some money. And which we're going to lose later. <laughs> totally. They're going to come and take it away from us. Someone else is going to do it. That's a boring... And also, we really don't think anybody else is here. 
We're sending out satellites with Beatles music and Mozart and things, <laughs> waiting for them to come back like rah, 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 you know, and join in the concert. It's a really depressing world. We live in the wonder, you know, Prozac and Zoloft and these things are best bestsellers in this culture because it's a very depressing view of the world. And ancient, I mean, there's of course there's life in other planets. There's billions and trillions of human planets. If Obi-Wan was a real Jedi and really was at one with the Force when the Death Star destroyed the old planet, he would have simply fabricated another one as a work of art. And the people would have been born in it with no problem. But, but, no point destroying a particular one. They're really very nice things. So how do we make this universe into a Buddhaverse? And that's just what they ask the Buddha. These 500 youths who come out to see him, they say, we're already going to attain enlightenment. We want to. We're on our way. We're bodhisattvas. Meaning heroes seeking enlightenment, heroes and heroines seeking enlightenment, meaning full experience of the reality of the world, full understanding, full, full loving appreciation of it. But we have a hard time thinking how we're going to change the world into a Buddhaverse. How do you do that? Please tell us how, do the, how does the Bodhisattva perfect the Buddhaverse? And that's after praising him for making the planetarium that they're in at that moment. So then he says this, the Buddha said, noble use. A Bodhisattva's Buddhaverse is a field of sentient beings. Why so? A bodhisattva embraces a Buddhaverse to the same extent that she causes the development of beings. He embraces a Buddhaverse to the same extent that sentient beings become educated. She embraces a Buddhaverse to the same extent that through entrance into a Buddhaverse, beings are introduced to the Buddha intuition. Why Buddha intuition? What is intuition? Intuition is direct, unmediated experience. Every single one of us has a direct, unmediated experience without any conceptual overlay that everything is perfect, that we are Buddhas, that Buddha, Buddhahood that is perfect, loving, nirvanic, happy interconnection is here. We wouldn't be alive if our body was not happy with itself to some degree. When we have sickness, it's because some portion has been brainwashed into being unhappy, as, as my new friend Mario had just mentioned. You know, we, there's some part gets unhappy and starts going in the wrong direction and then we get sick with cancer or whatever it's called, which is nice clean pink tissue, cancer is. It's just like going in the wrong direction because it's not happy with its neighbors. <laughs> but our own, un, un, but we're unaware of our intuition, right? You don't listen to your intuition. You have an idea that is better than what you feel. Everybody does. But Buddha intuition is not interfered with by any kind of negative concept. And therefore, uh, therefore, to the extent that Buddha, that living beings are introduced to the Buddha intuition, this is a Buddhaverse. You then, that's the way you feel sometimes in certain moods, in certain states. Suddenly everything is really beautiful. Every flower, every tree, every blade of grass, even a piece of concrete, even like the metal left over from an auto wreck. Anything is beautiful. And when you're in a certain state, as you, as most of you here, I'm sure, have experienced, <laughs> that's called a non-dual state. A dual state is where your mind immediately separates you and that, and then you have a notion, oh, that's a bad thing, that's a good thing, and then suddenly everything sucks. <laughs> and that's how we live, right? That's how. So here he says, and also the universe we think is a bunch of hard objects. And like, oh gee, I can't manage that. Actually, the universe is made by the intersection of the minds of infinite numbers of beings. It's all mind, but it's not just your mind or Buddha's mind. It's all intersected because Buddha is everyone. So therefore, Buddha is not higher than anybody else. Doesn't like make a big fuss about himself. It's not some sort of a guru who needs a Rolls Royce. 
you know, if Buddha needs a Rolls Royce, everybody needs a Rolls Royce. So we'll go, we'll go for a Tesla. That's okay. So universe in reality is voidness, like empty space. That is to say, a zero verse, a shunya verse, and and the word shunyata means zeroness or emptiness, as people usually call it. I like, I prefer voidness, and emptiness is not empty space. It's like empty space. But it's not empty space because, you know, space doesn't get in the way of the things that are in it. So non-duality means that that empty space of nirvana, of emptiness, of zeroness, is all of us in these people, in this, this place, all these differentiated things. Some idea that there's a space of bliss somewhere else is, is wrong. There is kind of, there is, and sometimes it is blissful to be sort of somewhere else, to be blown away somewhere else. But that's not ultimate reality, that's also just a relative state. The, the absolute state is this relativity. That's what zeroness means. It doesn't mean that things are nothing or empty. It means that this is everything that there is. That's non-duality. And when you know that totally, then you expand to be all of it, and you embrace all of it, and you take responsibility for it, and you feel it. And then it's bliss, actually. But that's a hard one I know to follow. You have your own headache. If you embrace everyone's headache, somehow you feel great. Well, you have to. It drives you crazy. There's so many headaches, you know. So you're kind of forced to. So then he says, then he, this is the zeroness thing. He says, if you want to build a Buddhaverse, a perfect universe, then where everyone, which is the, where everyone is there for everyone else rather than everyone is there against everyone else, which is what the universe is. Because each one has a universe. It's my one universe. It's a my verse. But a Buddhaverse is everyone is there for everyone. It's like John Belushi's food fight universe. Instead of grabbing your own musa shakala or your own strawberry and like worrying who's going to come and take it away, you're giving your strawberry to everybody. You want to give it away. And they all want to give it to you. So you're in a pile of strawberries. <laughs> So everybody shouts something now and then one goes into your mouth. But it's much easier than you grabbing yours and running away and keeping it from somebody else. That's the difference between a universe and a Buddhaverse. Okay? So then he goes through a long spiel, Buddha does. I'm sure I won't have time to go through the long spiel. Where he says it's a field of tolerance. When he attains tolerance, it means someone injures you, but you feel sorry for them. You love them anyway, and you know that they just did it because they were confused, and you never are angry with them. No hatred, no anger, no revenge, no enemy. So a field of tolerance, transcendent tolerance is like that. When he attains enlightenment, beings with the transcendences of tolerance, discipline, and the superior trance, hence beautiful with the 32 auspicious signs, all will be born in his Buddhaverse. A Bodhisattva's Buddhaverse is a field of creativity. When she attains enlightenment, beings who devote their efforts to virtue will be born in her Buddhaverse. It's a field of meditation, etc. So all good things that my, people's minds can make of that for them, all of which relate to opening up to the fact that you are fine, that everything is fine. The reason I said at the beginning of this that that's what I really wanted to convey to you, that's the one takeaway for you, is because we are conditioned by authoritarian cultures of which this is one, as we've noticed lately, that's just a reassertion of the nature of this culture. And the two sides, the religious people in this culture tell you, you suck, you're sinful, and you need this weird guy who's up there somehow holding out on you, but eventually after you die, he'll take care of you, so you'll be fine. But basically now, wisdom means resignation to the fact that it all sucks. That's what you're told that, and you're worthless because you're a sinner. On the other side, the materialists, they say, well, it sucks because we know it sucks because we haven't made the right, we haven't made the right drug for you, the right pharmacy. You know, we, we haven't made you into a computer like Mr. Kurzweil down there. We haven't made you into a robot where you can be perfectly happy because you're made of metal. Oh no, don't worry, it'll be soft metal like Terminator 3. 
it'll be sexy metal like Terminator 3, you know. So that, you know, so that's that they tell you that and they tell you anyway, never mind to make a big fuss about nothing because that's what you are is nothing. And all you have to do is die to find out. So, so the point is that's what, uh, that's what, uh, that's what you're told. So the default position in your mind and why you don't want to let go and why it's hard for you to let go and give away is that you think that you fall back into either nothing ultimately, which you hope for actually, or pain and suffering. So that's, that, that's what the universe is made of. It's badly made. God was like, he didn't have modern technology. God didn't have a, God didn't have a PhD from Caltech. So therefore he made a shitty universe. So therefore you're having a hard time. Or, you know, it's just by itself, since it's a random mutation and accident, it didn't get made well enough, so there's not enough for everybody, so let them all die, a bunch of other people, and you'll be fine in your Tesla. So, my point is, in the northern, in the northern hemisphere, far, far to the north or far to the south. So that's, that's what they tell us, whereas Buddha tells us, Buddha smiled when he understood the nature of reality, because he understood that, actually, it's a gas. It's nirvana. Here we're in nirvana. Everyone's made of bliss. That's what you're made out of. You don't notice it because it is you. And it's the chair you're on. And all you're noticing is this chair is not soft enough. Like my butt hurts. I had to sit here for too long. And you're like constantly, your mind is carving this up in a negative way because the culture told you to do so. And you don't realize that. So the point is, it's a big effort for those of us brought up like that. And it's not just a Western thing. Eastern authoritarian cultures are just the same. All those kind of macho-looking forms of the Buddha they make who look like everybody's worst bureaucratic nightmare. <laughs> like this, you know. That's the Buddha didn't look like that. Buddha was really beautiful. He was like, um, he was, you know, he was like trans. He was like a trans person, you know. He looked really beautiful. He was into it. Because he wanted people to see him as beautiful, because he wanted them to see themselves as beautiful. That's the whole point. He, she, it. So then he goes on like this. The Buddha, it's great. The Buddha verse is perfect. It's made of generosity. So he goes on and on. And then it reflects the purity of her own mind. The Bodhisattva, the, the, the beauty of the Buddhaverse reflects the purity of the mind of the Bodhisattva who creates the Buddhaverse as the ideal place to enfold and embrace all beings, which is what a Bodhisattva wants to become a Buddha for. And then Shariputra had the thought that we are all having right now. Oh, if the Buddhaverse is perfect only to the extent that the mind of the Bodhisattva is perfect, then when this Shakyamuni Buddha is standing over there, because he thinks Buddha is just over there in that body, but Buddha is not a being who's over in some body. Buddha's out, he's in that body, but he's in everybody else's body at the same time. That's what a Buddha is. It's like when you're empathetic totally with other beings and imagine all of them. It's like something inconceivable. They say that, but then they talk about it all the time. So it's, it's inexpressible, but they talk and talk like I'm doing. So the point is, he thinks this place sucks. How could he have been a good bodhisattva and have a perfect mind, a pure mind, when the world is so bad, his Buddha land is terrible? And then Buddha says, wait a minute, of course he makes Shariputra think that with his telepathy, because Shariputra is a saint actually, kind of, one of those kind of guru types. And and uh, he makes him think that, then he starts challenging him. He says, is it the sun and moon's fault that those blind from birth can't see them? He says, oh no, no, it's not their fault, it's the fault of the person who's blind. So he says, this world actually is perfect. You do not behold the sentient display of virtues of the Tathagata, that's Buddha, as all of me realized, being scientists, Buddha verses due to their own ignorance. It is not the fault of the Tathagata, but the Buddha verse of the Tathagata is perfect, but you do not see it. So then, God gets into the act. 
Because Buddhists do believe in God. They just don't think he has that much power. And actually because, and they know that, they don't think that because that's what God told them. They went to ask God. They say, did you make the universe? How did it work? We want to understand. Please explain. He says, do you have an appointment? I'm a busy God. The first, he says that at first. And later he says, I didn't make it. I don't understand it. But I want you to tell, I'm sure you're going to be able to understand it. And I want you to tell beings when you do, when horrible things happen to them, it's not my fault. I didn't create evil. I didn't create suffering. I'm a big, strong God, and I like everyone to be happy. But I don't have the power to make them happy because they are making their own world, too. So we're all making it interactively together. So then God scolds that dualistic, uh, sorry, Putra, the enlightened dualistic Theravada Buddhist, and says to him, you know, you're just, you know, I see the world as perfect. I'm God. I have, I'm sharper than you. And uh, he says, the fact that you see such a Buddha verse as this, as if it were so imperfect, Reverend Shariputra, he's respectful to him as a, as a mendicant monk, but he's, he says, it's a sure sign that there are highs and lows in your mind and that your positive thought in regard to the Buddha intuition is not perfect either. So he, he, he challenges and criticizes Shariputra for seeing the world as full of crap, you know, which Shariputra says. He, I see the whole world as if it's full of crap, he says. So then, Reverend Shariputra, those whose minds are impartial toward all sentient beings and whose positive thought toward that, that's your positive thought, that's your optimism, that's your hope. I, I know, here comes, here comes the deaf man. Okay, good. You know, your positive thought is imperfect. That's why you see it like that. And you don't go to the Buddha intuition. And the Buddha intuition, by the way, is in every single one of you. When you feel good, when you feel loving, you know, then uh, meaning that, and you have a blissful feeling in yourself, and therefore when you see another person like, uh, you feel you want to share your blissful feeling with them, and you actually have the skill to do it when you really feel good, you know? Like what was that singer? He used to say, I feel good, and I knew that I would. That guy, I feel good, and I knew that I would. That, well, he knew that, that was the Buddha intuition in him. I don't care, he beat his wife later because he got all upset. You know, he's like, he's conditioned to freak out, but he felt good. That's your Buddha intuition. It isn't some guru who has that intuition. Cut that crap. Stop slobbering over these gurus. It makes them bad and they treat you bad and then they later it blows up and then you hate them and burn them at the stake. And they're not that hip that they're ready to be burned at the stake, unfortunately. So, you know, they want to, they want to, they also want a Tesla, you know. So therefore, the divine Lord, then the Buddha, the divine Lord touched the ground of this billion world galactic universe with his big toe. I don't know how he did that. And suddenly it was transformed into a huge mass of precious jewels, a magnificent array of many hundreds of thousands of clusters of precious gems until it resembled the universe of the Tathagata Ratnavyuha called Anantaguna Ratnavyuha, which means the array of jewels of infinite excellent qualities. Everyone in the entire assembly was filled with wonder, each perceiving himself or herself seated on a throne of jeweled lotuses. And, you know, my students always say, like, what? what's this thing with the jewels? You know, we don't know about jewels. Why is everything made of jewels? In this, uh, in this, uh, we thought it was all empty. What's all the jewels doing there? <laughs> and the point is, even the ancient Indians were all into making money like our, our present American mammonocracy. Mammonocracy. I didn't say mammocracy. Should be a mammocracy, but it's a mammonocracy. Worship of money. So they still had that in India. So that's why they see jewels, because people in simple-minded, oh, great, that means it's valuable, precious, you know. But what it really means is that each person perceived themselves for that moment when he touched the ground in the perfect spot 
for their own evolutionary ability. You see, also when Buddha's, when I said that a Buddha's body of reality, Dharmakaya, includes every single other being in the universe, plus all inanimate things, planets and stars, black holes, whatever you want, that you suddenly feel you are all of that. That's, and not in that way, that fake way that mystics do, where I'm everything, but no, nothing is there. You know, it's all one, but it's the space, it's just open. No, that's, that's cheap. That's a cheap oneness. You're in some place apart from all the people who are freaking out and driving on the, on the right-hand side of the road. You know, on the left-hand side of the road. You're apart from them. Therefore, you're not an absolute. It's when all of this, with all the people, you're one with all the people. So they feel that, and it's in time as well as space. It's not just a physical thing in space, it's also a mental thing in time. So therefore, that's why Buddha, a Bodhisattva can become a Buddha, because they are with all of the beings who are not yet Buddhas in all their future times, and not with them passively as if time and karma, which means causality of evolution, was just automatically unfolding, everybody's going to automatically be a Buddha. Because we can remain stupid for as long as we insist upon it. And we can keep being reborn stupid and fighting with everybody as long as we want. But actually with the, with the being enfolded by an awareness that is the ultimate pedagogue, the ultimate teacher, then somehow everything is arranged. They didn't create our situation. They don't have power to automatically bomb us into bliss. But they have the power to reshape our circumstances to give us optimal lessons to learn how to understand and how to trust our own Buddha intuition and to realize that this is joy and bliss and happiness and perfection. And therefore, based on that, you know, see to it. And then when you realize that, of course, if there's any one being who's sitting there in their head and like, this is not joy. Don't tell me. I know, like French people a little bit are like that. Luckily, not Italians. Not, you know, they like, no, j'aime ma souffrance. I want to keep my suffering. Don't take it away from me. And they, give me my gold rods and my suffering. And, and, and my cognac, you know. I don't want, no, I don't like that happiness stuff. They say that. Italians luckily love to be happy. Italians are so happy. They're fantastic. They're wonderful, Italy. They had their empire and they realized that sucked too. And then, and then, and then they were, then they were run over by the Visigoths, you know, and that was a little rough at first. And then, then they were reborn and they danced with the Visigoths, you know. And that's what they're doing here in America, dancing with the Visigoths. We're the, we're the Visigoths. So, so we Euro-Americans, that is. So my point is, that if there's any, you know, if you know everything, you, pre, you perceive beings on two levels. One, you see them as made of bliss. And then two, you see that they don't think so. And you don't just see it like one person looking out at another. You are it also. So you are their misknowing ignorance. You feel that. So you feel them on the two levels. So your whole job is, how can I get them to open their conceptual thing of the inadequacy and the difficulty of life and the importance of the self and my ego and nobody really appreciates it enough and then how do you get them to open, to melt, to flow, to give it up, as they say, you know? Just give it up. Give it away. And then, then, then they'll be happy, right? Giving it away. What is it? What is giving it away? Why are the French, I must say one thing the French do say, which is good. I don't know if they say that in Italian. They have an expression, the little death, le petit mort. But you know what that is? Does anybody know French? That means orgasm. Fortunately. The little death is orgasm. 
And the big death is Buddhahood, which means orgasm in your brain, in your heart, in your throat, in your navel, everywhere, in everybody else in the universe. So you don't have to go grabbing anybody because it's, it's everywhere. Everyone's made of that. That's the whole point. Okay, so that's about it. I know that. Yes, okay. So then the last one just shows how people, when they saw all these things that the Buddha showed them, they suddenly woke up to their Bodhisattva mind, to their the fact that loving everyone is the only way to go, and, and you have to do that, and you feel like doing that when you're blissful yourself. So be blissful. You know, my final saying always is, nowadays, because it dealing, which I was elaborated, dealing with the Tibet, Disaster, which was not over and will turn out well, but trust me, just like standing rock will, like the whole world will, I promise you. But my doing that is saying this, it is our duty, and it's easy to say this in California than in New York. <laughs> it's our duty to be so blissful and so happy that even if they kill us, we're going to die happy, okay? Thank you very much.